another episode of Optional Skate Blues, our podcast where we talk hockey and focus on the St. Louis Blues. I'm Mike, here with Eric. What's going on? And it's Tuesday, August 10th, and we're going to talk about Evander Kane and the NHL's investigation into his gambling. We'll look at how the Blues roster is rounding out after a few recent signings, and we'll try to figure out what the story is on Vladimir Tarasenko. So still still no news. Still... <laughs> And I, every day that there's no news, I think is, is very much bad news. I think it's the opposite of no news is good news. No news is very bad news, disgruntled guy coming into camp, and less certainty about what we can do with our cat. Yep. Coming into camp? <laughs> Question mark? I didn't think, I didn't initially put an upwards inflection at the end of that, but I, I think you're right. I think that has uh, upward inflection written all over it. Yeah. So, uh, how, how'd your week go? Man, uh, big, big news, right? Took my, took my test uh, this past Sunday and just kicked ass uh passed my uh national counselor exam so good shit it and um glad to have that in the rear view and now it's time to start getting hours and billing and working that side hustle man so i did that and treated myself to a uh a millennium falcon ultimate collector series lego set so it is if you if you are into legos at all especially star wars legos it's a big one and it's it's gonna occupy it, it commands quite a bit of space but i worked my ass off so i gave myself a uh 13 year old's favorite <laughs> potential <laughs> reward i guess um but yeah man that's uh that's kind of what i've been doing and just uh watching tons of movies and and sitting on ass after all the time that i was not sitting on ass so yeah well congratulations i know how hard you worked at it and uh just uh i'm sure it's relieved to be through and over and get some of that time back and able to focus on the future for sure, man. Uh, cheers. Appreciate the the congrats. And uh, yeah, ready uh, ready to hang out more and, and sit on buns more for sure. So, um, and uh, but what about you, buddy? Uh, it's kind of a quiet week. Uh, you know, played some some hockey. I played a lot of hockey more than I was bargaining for. <laughs> Sorry about that. Short, short, some some skaters and uh, uh, feeling real old and sore after that. So I was getting current on the the session of Ted Lasso. So really, really dig this show and uh, they keeping it going so far this season. And uh, but we're kind of getting prepped up. We're going to go on a little float trip this weekend with the family. So uh, it should should be a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Is the uh, is the whole family gonna be able to make it? Is is uh, Patty gonna be able to bring both the littles? That's the plan. Yep. Cool. Great, man. That should be a lot of fun then. Yeah, we we did that last year and had a, had a blast. So uh, we're gonna go for it again this year. So. Yeah, sounds good. And Patty, and I'll edit this if this is wrong or not common knowledge, but she's expecting another one, right? <laughs> she is. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's uh. And when's the due date? 
she, I want to say, was 20 weeks in right now. So she's still got a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's super cool. She'll, mm-hmm. uh, she and Cody will be great three-time parents. Yep. Well, we'll get to jump into not so uh, happy news here in the NHL <laughs> when we uh, uh, talk about Evander Kane. Uh, some the NHL is going to investigate him and allegations made by his estranged wife, uh, Anna Kane. Uh, she said that her husband bet on sharks games with bookies and through games for gambling purposes. Uh, Vander claims he's never bet on hockey, including sharks games and has never thrown a game. So, uh, kind of a bombshell. I mean, if you were going to say anybody in the NHL would get caught up in this had been him. I mean, he has a history of this for sure, but, uh, tough to, to kind of hear this story, you know, it really seems like uh, some tough family dynamics with the kid involved too. Yeah. So that's immediately where my, you know, where my heart and where my head goes, you know, uh, his, his wife said that in, in her tweet or, or post on Instagram or whatever it was, right. I don't remember what platform it was, but saying that she's reaching out to him and saying she can't afford formula and he's telling her to, to you know pawn the the wedding ring that uh that she had given him like you can be you can be a special kind of asshole to other adults in my world and if that's what you want to be if that's who you are and what you're about then go ahead and be about that i guess but whenever there's kids involved you gotta you gotta kind of pick your shit up and 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 do the right thing regardless of how much you dislike the other person on the other end. So yeah, that's a huge bummer to hear that man. But I agree if there was anybody at the NHL who you were going to say was this, what this was happening to, I mean, last year they were taught, he was suggesting terminating his contract, right? So creditors would not be able to access his, his uh, yet to be earned earnings from his salary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all allegations, of course, but, uh, right. uh, you know, he, he has a history, like we said. So in 2019, um, while he's in Vegas for a playoff series, playoff series, he failed to pay a half a million dollar marker from the Cosmopolitan uh, Hotel and Casino. Uh, the casino filed a complaint in November. And the case was later dropped in 2020 when he declared bankruptcy. Um, Claimed to have lost 1.5 million gambling at casinos and via bookies. um, And listed debt of nearly 27 million according to court documents. So, um, you know, super talented player. uh, Had his best season ever last year probably. So, um kind of tough to hear all this stuff but i i think just with hockey it seems like it would be a really difficult sport to negatively influence a game where you could bet on it especially as a winger i would think you know right if if one player from san jose you're thinking was throwing games it would be martin jones right with how how terrible he played 
he not not great he uh-huh. very much of a, a beach ball goaltender for sure here recently from old marty yeah and and yeah i agree man it's it would be really really hard to try and impact uh impact the game you'd have to take the whole team out the night before uh keep them out late and uh, and all that stuff and if you're pulling out i guess uh you know half a million dollar tabs at a at a casino that would definitely constitute potentially as throwing you know is enough money to potentially influence a game but at the same time during the postseason and knowing the team that was on the sharks uh with those veterans i would think that they would be well above that for the most part and um you know going out and acting silly is what i mean right like not allowing themselves to be bought out or anything like that or or you know we're gonna throw this game nothing like that but uh but not have the focus that they would need to go into a series like that is what i'm saying so um super weird um i i, I don't know what to make of it all other than the fact that it's a really really unfortunate situation i've read that his teammates don't want him anywhere near the locker room now they want him out of san jose i can't imagine anybody opening their doors to this guy with his salary and with all this other stuff kind of going on. Um, You have to think that San Jose is hoping that the NHL allows them to terminate a contract or something, bury it. I don't know. Montreal likes the scumbags. I was going to say, man, my head immediately went to, I'm Bergevin might might, want to take a chance. But then again, he traded PK Subban for his... What what was the bullshit word that he used? His, he was a distraction or character or, issues yeah, or mm-hmm. yeah. So dog, dog whistling. Um. So it, also an odd situation is uh, happening up in Minnesota with Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, you know the the Wild were pretty adamant they're gonna get this deal done. Yep. They're they're real secure on it, but he still hasn't signed. Um, and he's rumored to have a deal with CSK Moscow uh, for over ten million dollars if his contract with the Wild doesn't materialize. So uh, Minnesota has just under twenty million in cap space, and they need to sign Kaprizov and Fiala still. Um, they're rumored to have offered him nine million for seven to eight years. Um, but Kaprizov was pushing for a higher number with a shorter term. So they, uh, they seem not quite on the same page, but Garen says he's still confident, but we keep waiting. I mean, I, I can definitely see him wanting, you know, he's 24 right now. Yep. So if he says, give me, you know, get me a, a three to four year deal at the, at, at, basically a max salary for that amount of time give me you know 10 million for that amount and then he could get one more big ticket and odds are really really good that that ticket probably wouldn't be signed with minnesota it'd probably be more of a a major market team no offense minnesota fans um but more of like a, a new york or maybe a canadian team or someplace where he can go and and really do a lot of damage. So I I don't necessarily blame him for for looking at that. I I can't, you know, I've never visited 
Russia. I've never watched a, a KHL game be played or whatever, but I'd have to think that the experiences were very different within the leagues, just going off of the the history of, uh, of how some things have gone in the KHL. So, I mean, I don't think he's calling... I don't think he's calling Wolf. I think that he really would go. You know, he was over there for however long playing before he came to the NHL finally. So I think that this is a very real uh, threat. I don't think it's veiled. Um, and the Wild need to find the money, I guess, or they've got to be okay going into a season without their most dynamic player in years. I mean, maybe even history, right? So, I yeah. mean, he's got them by the short and curlies. Yeah, I mean, the offer they made to him was rumored to be the biggest deal in Minnesota history. Uh, Parise, Suter, even. <laughs> right. Yeah, right, yeah. Dollar-wise, dollar certainly not years-wise. But um, it, what's the bigger disaster for them? You mean uh, Kaprizov or Fiala, or short, if he stays or if he goes? Short-term, high-number or no Kaprizov, like, I mean, he's got a lot of leverage because they just Tons. waived, you know, Suter and Parise, and yep. you know you're going to be stuck with their cap hit for, what, six more years or whatever crazy amount that Sometime. was? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if it's the full 15, but I think after two years it was like $15 million a year that's dead on your cap. Yeah, I think that... I think they have they have to sign him. I mean, I think the entire offseason has been surrounded by, and it's no secret through the NHL and, and in their own locker room, I'm sure, yeah. that number one priority is signing not just the guy who was rookie of the year, but guy who was in the you know points race for the entire – and made highlight reel after highlight reel after highlight reel play. Yeah. So I think uh, I think they've got to get him paid, and I think it might be a blessing that it's for a shorter a shorter term. If you look at what happens to some of these guys and and health wise and and their their desire to play, and I'm not speaking specifically to players from uh, from Russia, but just overall, it's it, in an ideal world, you know, you play year to year, you sign your contract, you get your money, and you go to the next one. So, um, yeah. I think the shorter term might be actually a, a gift in disguise to to Minnesota. I uh, well, I just don't think like how can Bill Guerin keep his job if he doesn't keep it exactly? Like that's the thing, you know. I know that he has this plan, but if there's any way that Kaprizov isn't part of that plan, that's probably not, especially after what materialized last year. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I could see if he was still performing over there and hadn't come over yet, but now that the cat's out of the bag, like, right. You need to hand him the bag. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got you by your Apple bag. That's right. So he's, yeah. He'll, the deal will get done. Um, you know, I don't know what it'll look like. It'll probably be, if he wants shorter term, higher money, he's going to get the shorter term and higher money. I mean, this is one of these situations where a player really does have a franchise um, and, and can dictate their terms, and Garen can act like he's going to play hardball. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's Kaprizov's going to get what he wants. Yep. Now a bunch of guys got some nice big contracts uh, <laughs> since we last recorded. So 
I think it was the next day after our recording, uh, the Blue Jackets signed Zach Wierenski to six years for 9.6, just under 9.6. Yikes. Like, that's that's a lot. That's a ton of money. A ton of money. And I'm not saying that he's not a good defenseman and he can he quarterbacks their power play and he does a lot of great things for them in, in Columbus. And Columbus has, we know, obviously had a historical, like a history of difficulty keeping players happy and motivated and in Columbus that yep. are any good. So maybe it was a bit, of, well, it was an overpay. And it, it, whenever I read that, I just thought this is going, this is, going to continue to be insane and other NHL GMs didn't didn't disappoint well I don't know if we're surprised by Edmonton but we are always still surprised by Edmonton because <laughs> they signed Darnell Nurse to an 8 year 9.25 million AAV contract um, so he's making more than Kale McCarr. Like, why? Immediately. What? Yeah. Who? Immediately, Kale McCarr's contract is no longer the standard. And Darnell Nurse is a great defenseman. Again, I don't even you know, think this, he's great. He's good. He's a, he's a service. He's the best defenseman on their team. He's serviceable. He's, I don't even know if he's all that young anymore. Um, but you're there. Now he'll just get to over- drag around the corpse of. Duncan Keith and yeah, it'll come be great. on come over here Jade it's it's but, insane the well, amount of money that they spend and how they spend it in Edmonton he had a, a really good season last year yeah, yeah. Uh, but had like crazy shooting percentage and also like the if you look at the competition percentage I know we called you know said the bad things about the north but he he played ottawa when they didn't have the a goaltender when they were struggling yeah. so i think you know you could play teams at bad time so just uh just seems like a colossal overpay and i don't i just don't know what the team's gonna do like you you gotta like keep connor happy like is he wanting these moves because this just was panned everywhere. I don't, I don't know who's looking at this move and is like, "This is this is amazing." What a, Thank goodness what, we did this. What a great job! It's it's incredibly confused. Even Darnell Nurse sounded confused whenever it was. <laughs> right. uh, I read an article in the Athletic, <laughs> and they said, "You know, uh, what do you think about the?" The, the, your deal and he said I totally expected a bridge deal I did not expect anywhere near this term and anywhere near this amount of dollar and I am very excited today <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah man I am I am positive that all of those things are true so he's he's 26 he's got one year left at 5-6 and then this deal kicks in nine two five so um you know he'll be 30 uh 35 at the end of this which isn't 
that's not a those 35 year old defenseman it's yeah you're you're definitely do the blues have a 35 year old defenseman uh we do not i can't imagine that we do actually um maybe bertuzzo um but i i think that he would he would be our eldest statesman on the black on the back line um bertuzzo's 32 no yeah so and then scandela's 31 so i forgot about scandela for a minute krug's 30 man i didn't have that number in my mind is is how old he would be but no i think yeah man and and they've got what now they've got three players uh that are going next year after next that are going to account for 30 something percent of their salaries uh their overall salary and it's just it's not sustainable they are destined to yeah. waste Connor McDavid. The freaking Mike Smith is their goalie. Still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's their best goalie right now. We're giving Darnell Nurse 9.25. Like, and I'm not a guy that wants to pay a goalie, but but yeah. Mike Smith, like, there is average. Like, <laughs> at least get average. They're now, they're struggling, man. Yeah. They're, they're, they they revamped their defense. They they made some additions, but yeah, they've got Smith in the in net with the the keys to the Ferrari, and it's going to be really really interesting to see how how it goes. Yeah, I you know I don't think they're built to last, right? No. And uh, I don't know if they're Ferrari fast. So it looks like on purpose too. Like it looks like they're purposefully not built to last. Yeah. With with these contracts. So anyway. Now, um, a signing I I did think pretty highly of, but was the Adam Pellick signing uh, with the Islanders. Um, I still don't always love the the eight year term that's been the popular thing right now, but um, his contract was much more reasonable with uh, five eight seven five. Um, you know, he's a solid top line defenseman, defensive defenseman, but uh, has done some good things for them and really fits in well with the Islander system. And I am going to be completely and totally honest with our listenership and say I had literally never heard of this man before. Um, I don't, I don't catch a lot of Islanders games, and I had to look up who he was and what he was about but yeah it seems like he's he's solid on the back end and good on them for locking a guy up to reasonable money if not a little bit of an unreasonable term yep now we've seen all these defensive contracts and it kind of had me look at so i guess i was looking because i know pareko's deals coming up so right uh, I, I kind of looked at the, the Blues contracts on their defensemen, and I, I noticed that Falk and Krug have pretty reasonable contracts, especially when you look at what is happening recently. Um, does it change your perspective on those guys at all for, for kind of what, what they're making and their term is? Yeah, I love this question first and foremost, and it's it really got me thinking and immediately it makes it so much more palatable even if they aren't at the top of their game like you would really have hoped or the 
defensive lapses from uh, Krug and Falk's first year as a blue not going the way that you would have wanted it to. Whenever you look at these tickets that are being signed by these other guys, um, it looks like we we're we're actually bargain hunting a year ago and two years ago. Whenever we signed these tickets that were six five, and it they look way more palatable. I hated the deals at the time. If I can be honest with you, well, I was I was okay. I thought that Krug was a was an over a bit of an overpay and and kind of a. Uh, you know, whenever you, you hit the knee and, and the, the knee reacts, you hit the patella or whatever, and it just goes and reacts. I th- felt like that's what Krug was a little bit, and uh, Falk was uh, was posturing. But at the same time, these deals right now, when you compare them to Darnell Nurse money and, and Adam Pellick money and, and that, you got to say they're below market value right now, I think. Yep. And even Petro's probably kicking himself right right yeah yeah i could have taken a one or two year deal and uh and really cashed in but like i said i was kind of looking forward to the next contract which would be pareko um who will be uh rfa at the end of this season so what ufa ufa excuse me yeah no worries and uh so what what's it gonna take to keep him is it more significant than that? Can can they keep keep him? I mean, from whenever you see McCarr's contract, you would say he's not going to make that kind of money because last year being the injury riddled year. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's thirty. Nope, sorry, lie. Uh, Twenty eight. Uh, Pareko is so. He's he had that Macar's twenty two, sub- yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> he had the substantial injury last year with Pareko, right? Right. And he didn't really seem like his same self either in the bubble year before or really at all last year. I never saw him uh, play that style that I thought he could just take over a game. So. I don't know. He's making five five right now, and I would almost think that he's another, uh, you know, Krug or um, Falk six five guy. I wouldn't be terribly comfortable going much over six five for for a term with him. What are you thinking, man? Uh, I, well, I, I don't know. I. If I did the thing I would like the most would be another bridge. Like you take a yeah. two year, um, you pay him six five, and you know see what happens there. I don't know if that would be a thing a player would do. He's not gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take this bridge deal for less money and less term in St. Louis. Right, and then be thirty and yeah, yeah. get to sign another contract after maybe Hopefully. not having a good year. Right. Yeah. So, um, but when you know, everyone else is getting nine and a half for eight years, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just but past thirty four, I think would really be uh, something I would hesitate on. So, like a six year, yeah. maybe a seven year, and I I think that it seems like it would be hard to pay him less than six point five or seven. You know that that seems to be what. 
the team is shooting for, but yeah, there's always rumors of trying to to pick a UFA, right? Yeah, and everybody in Toronto always thinks everybody wants to play in Toronto. Um, and they've there's been rumblings that Toronto's been after him for a long, long time and kind of coveted his style of play. And he could come on next year and actually be a physical presence in front of his own net and actually get his shot on net and really begin to also be a huge factor on the power play and the penalty kill. And if he gets back to his style, if he gets back to 2019 hockey, uh, whenever we're winning the cup, then sure. Get the guy, you know, $8 million a year and, and give him, give him an extra year that you're not comfortable with. Get out of your comfort zone. If he shows that he can play that way again, but I mean, I know that it was at the bubble and, and, last year with an injury plagued season but I kind of am starting to view Pareko in a similar light as I was viewing Schwartz leading up to the end of this year I I think that you need Pareko more than we needed Schwartz Mm -hmm. but if he's gonna go and if if he's gonna chase the dollars he's gonna find more dollars elsewhere I feel like I think well Pareko his like uh advanced stats that 2018 year were like crazy he was like the one of the top defensive defensemen in the entire league and um, I think just the potential of somebody like that you have to really really entertain keeping around and yeah um, especially because that's their kind of style of play also so it complements sure. each other he he's he's so such a good strong skater that he's able to get the puck out of the zone um just by skating it without the pass but he also is good at the stretch pass which are are things that the blues don't do well and really kind of ignites their offense so um certainly a, a thing that they would hope to keep and need and um I don't know. You know, it. We'll talk a little bit about Tarasenko later, but I think a lot of it's really going to hedge on what happens with that whole situation, right? That should yeah, theoretically that's a great point. free up some space and kind of give you uh, a better idea what you're working with for when the future happens. So, it's a great point. Yeah. Now, big news also uh, coming as the ESPN starts to round out their team, but they announced that John Tortorella. Um, is going to be a studio analyst uh, for like two weeks <laughs> until he says something on live television or the Twitter webs and then gets himself fired. I, I it's going to be a really great two weeks, but it's not good. <laughs> I don't see this lasting long. No, I, I think he's going to be boring. I, I think that, uh, He's a hockey guy. And, you know, I think that sometimes you're in the passion of coaching or whatever, or, you know, a loss can be painful. But I think that now that you're behind the desk and this is your job, you have to be serious. And serious usually means boring for these guys. And, I mean, he he was in this position before and was pretty, you know, boring. I think that they really – could use a lot of the Tortorella that you could see from those games. Uh, maybe a better insight. Cause I think that 
you know the you looked at the NBC Sports coverage. They would just like, oh, look at this play and look at this play. They didn't. There wasn't any insight into why things happen or uh, what makes this player special. That what he does on this play that that somebody else doesn't do or, you know they. They just do a bad job of explaining the game, and I think having a coach there with a strong personality would be a good thing, and hopefully he he could have that or display that personality, but they just always seem so so bland. So, I, I'd love to see it, man. I, I would love to see him in there. I'd love to see a little bit of fire between some of the analysts. Uh, one of my favorite clips out of uh, watching on, the, on Yubtub is to watch Pierre Maguire and uh, Keith, jo- or not Keith Jones, I'm sorry, um, Milberry. Yeah, just Milberry just starts ripping on him. Pierre says something, and Milberry is just on like, air. what are you talking On air, yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? You have no idea what you're saying. And then Pierre's just speaking, you know, screaming over him or whatever, and I could see Tortorella for sure doing that on on some of these broadcasts and and i'd love it i i seriously would i think it would be a ton of fun as long as he's not you know condescending or 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 an ass about it and and spreads the wealth and doesn't just sit there and pick on one person or whatever i mean i don't i'm out of middle school i don't want to watch a bunch of people get picked on that shit but um call somebody on their on their nonsense and and push him a little bit. And if you do it publicly, then, then whatever. And, and he could expect to get chirped a little bit back. So I think it'd be, I think it could be really fun. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. And I guess that's what they're kind of hoping for. Right. A little bit, a little bit of the wild card. Yeah. A little Troy. No, is it, is it hypocritical of a guy who, uh, who constantly criticizes yes. the media <laughs> Yes. to get, <laughs> Fired or lose your job and then immediately become a member of the media. Of said media. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would have loved to have heard that conversation of, we'd love to have you on here. And maybe he just didn't answer. And they, <laughs> and they said, all right, uh, you know, clear your throat twice if, if you don't want the job. And then it was still nothing. And I, all right, we'll send your paperwork over. Like, well, what if <laughs> somebody like goes torts on torts, you know, like just wigs out. <laughs> How does he respond in that press conference? If somebody freaks out on him from one of his ridiculous questions. Oh, that would be terrific. And I, <laughs> I bet that there are some coaches who are just chomping at the bit, just hoping I can't wait till that son of a bitch asks me ask me any question, anything. Get me get me in the between the glass and ask me about how I prep for the game, and I'm just gonna just ice you out right. and just stare you down. I'm looking at you, Calgary. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be the 30 seconds between uh, between the between the glass. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I pray that happens. I'm not a I'm not a praying guy. I pray that happens. Now there's still no word on Jack Eichel being traded as of now. He is still a Buffalo Saber, but uh, earlier last week, his camp dropped kind of a big bombshell on the the, the notes app or whatever the stupid pictures are. But 
Um, the it, it blamed the Sabers for de- delaying Jack Eichel's development, and uh, it really made a good amount of sense that uh, he can't have the surgery he needs because the team won't approve it. Um, the team initially approved it, but changed their mind late in the process. Um, but kind of the biggest part of that statement was that um, as of today, you know, if he had the surgery, he would be able to play this season. Yeah. Um, so really slammed Buffalo and kind of their case against him. Yeah. And, and other teams aren't necessarily wanting to pay a premium for him in and assets because they're unsure if he's going to be able to play for him. Like the health of this season is part of the thing that's holding a trade up with Buffalo. So if Buffalo wants to maximize return on their asset, they would get off their asset and, and actually (laughs) the look of disgust on your face, (laughs) but also looking for the, the fake rim shot um they'd get off their asses and they would actually go ahead and try and work and, and broker this deal he wants to get traded he's gonna go into camp if he goes into camp and half-ass the shit out of stuff he doesn't want to be there um well he hasn't had surgery just, he's not even gonna play you know what i mean yeah so i mean they have they're sitting on their their biggest asset is now a paperweight for their organization and they're content with their biggest asset being a paperweight for their organization. They're not trying to do anything about it. It doesn't seem like, and it's idiotic to, to do that with something with somebody who you could turn into somebody or something or picks or, or whatever that can at least make you more competitive. If not, it, right now in the future, for sure. And just tell your fans one more time, we're really going to do our best to rebuild right now yeah. and and go from there. I don't know if they're thinking they can get a bigger return at some other time, but I can't envision what that time would be. Sure. And I believe that his full no move kicks in at the end of this year. <laughs> so, so like he'll get even more control in the process after this year, which is, you know, kind of why Buffalo has some urgency and, you know, it affects their window. So further diminishing their asset. Right. Right. If he has a full no trade clause and says, I want to go to Colorado and that is the only place I will accept a trade to Colorado can offer them absolutely, you know, absolute dog turds. And then they have to facilitate that trade. It's that it's a mismanagement of a resource on an epic level and explains why Buffalo is Buffalo. But I I think that, you know, squeezing every bit out of it is kind of worth it, but $10 million is hard to squeeze in any lineup. And there was already a very, a few teams that could even do something like that. So uh, (laughs) you put yourself in a tough position and then, you know, to get out of it, maybe it's not all the way this guy's fault, but it's uh, it's just lots of sadness in Buffalo for for all times, yeah. And 
and this bleeds into our Tarasenko conversation, but each defenseman that signs a $9 million ticket is another potential suitor that's at least partially off the table or you know Buffalo's going to have to take salary back or they're going to have to accept a lesser draft pick or whatever it might be because uh, there's less teams out there that could remain competitive or as competitive as they want to be in trading for a guy like Eichel and actually fielding their their team or putting their team out on the ice to go ahead and win their games. So the those those teams are looking other places if they haven't already finished looking and done their shopping. And now they're looking at a, a further diminished asset. And it's like, yeah, I guess I kind of wanted that a while ago, but, and I still want it, but I don't have, <clears throat> I don't have the resources really to throw at you for that anymore. My offer from before whenever I had $20 to give you for whatever, uh, you know, I went out and bought groceries and filled up my gas, my gas tank and all this other stuff. And now I've only got seven bucks left. So you can have $7 for it instead of the 17, but, and that's what they're looking at with Eichel. And, and again, it'll bleed over to our conversation later on too, but. Well, I wonder who's really going for him because at this point it seems like his values pretty low. Yeah, and I think he's a fantastic franchise player that maybe you would think about trading for any but ten players in the league. I mean, yeah. Uh, so you wonder at what point you just need to make the deal if you're the Rangers or if you're the Islanders or if you're. Anaheim or whoever else is in this like at some point you're gonna just need to be out or do the deal and that's what Buffalo's I guess trying to trying to say you know we have this this killer asset and we're not gonna let him go for anything less than than what we know that he's actually worth I mean view cue the Ryan O'Reilly trade to be revisited um but there the number of teams that right now have $10 million in cap space, and obviously there'd be money that would need to go the other way, are, and it's nine, would be Kraken, Blue Jackets, Flames, Islanders, Canes, Devils, Nucks, Ducks, Predators, Wild, Wings, Senators, and Sabres. Out of those teams, there's not a lot of teams that are in a, a win-now mode or even a quick rebuild mode or teams that actually have that money because Minnesota looks like it has that money, but they don't. Right. The Islanders look like they have that money, but apparently they've got a bunch of side deals that still haven't been registered with the NHL as far as their, uh, their, their cap signings with um, uh, who's the guy they tra- they traded for at the deadline who friggin killed it. Paul Mary. Um, Paul Mary, yeah, 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 like uh, Paul Mary and potentially Parise. So the the teams that want him, that can afford him, and I know that there'll be salary going the other way, but it's it's a really small number of teams, and I think I think he fu- I think Buffalo fucked it up. Yeah. 
Well, uh, the Blues have had quite a few signings since our last pod. Um, they signed Barbashev for two years, $2.25 million. Uh, they also signed Cairo two years, 2.8. Uh, Sanford, they signed for one year, two million, and then they signed Dakota Johnson to a one-year, two-way minimum contract. So, uh, you know, well, Sanford, you booed, but I think that, uh, you know, with the the way the cap is this year, the GMs have had a aversion to go all the way to arbitration just because. Um, all the salaries are based on pre-flat cap numbers, so um, yeah. it, you know they they would see the contracts escalate and they would project that forward. So um, that was the number that they agreed on, and uh, you know I I have not been a fan, and I know that you also have not really been a fan of him, but I, I there's been a quite a few stats that I've seen. Um, you know, like his solid five on five numbers. He has the most five on five goals in the blues in the past two seasons. Um, you know, his five on five V 60 was good. And then just, uh, I guess, you know, kind of like my Vince Dunn theory, but he just made some stupid plays at the wrong time and it led directly to goals. So, um hopefully yeah he can get back to that 2018-19 style game and he's got a year to prove it it seems like I'm I will always root for a guy to to prove me wrong and to more specifically I'll always root for anybody to find success and I absolutely hope he gets it it it's it seems really really hard to try and envision a a St. Louis Blues team for me personally right now where he is playing meaningful minutes. The the most surprising stat that you shared there was that he has the most five on five goals on the Blues in the last two years. I was I, surprised I, I'm, also. I'm dumbfounded. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am dumbfounded uh, by that. So it's I mean if if that's the stat, then that's the stat, but it, it makes no sense to me. And maybe I need to watch him a little bit more or, or a little bit less to, to get a real idea on, on what kind of style he's playing. But um, the, the sneaky contract that could be in there and a guy who I think is going to play incredibly meaningful minutes uh, this year, I think is going to be Dakota Johnson. I think that the blues are really going to take a hard, hard look at him if anybody gets injured or if anybody is underperforming, I think he's going to be a quick call up because I think he checks a ton of boxes. Why is that? I like his physical style of play. I think that he is a guy who is younger. Um, Dakota Johnson is listed here at uh, 25 he's playing center i think that he can pinball around and i think that he's a guy who we could take on the bottom lines and um, easily replace or move up a guy like barbashev or sunny if he's not necessarily a hundred percent which i hope that he is but right now down the middle you're looking at o'reilly 
as your only true center. And then you've got Shen, Sunquist. Uh, uh, Shen is center left wing. Sunquist is center right wing. Barbie is center left wing. Thomas is center right wing. Um, so, I mean, if something happens to somebody down the middle, I think Dakota Johnson gets called up and... I could see him being a guy who makes the most of his time and just uh, plays a youthful style of hockey and looks for guys who are uh, against the boards and throws his full weight into them, trying to say, I'm not going back down to minor leagues ever and uh, and keep me up here. All right. Um, so... Barbashev, Kairou, I mean, I thought they were pretty good deals. Barbashev... Maybe a little more than I thought he would get, but nothing crazy more, I guess. So, yeah. Initially, I uh, I I looked at Barbie and I thought that that yeah, that's uh, that's about right. I thought that Kairou was a little bit high considering um, the lull in the middle of the season and the small sample size. But then, whenever I go back and look at how he just blazed out of the gate at the beginning of the year and he finished the the year really strong too a guy who's looking for consistency if you can get him for two years at under three and uh and two of his prime years of his career especially with these other numbers that are getting thrown out with some of these other kids who are rfas um i think that he might end up look at that deal might end up looking like a massive steal in that uh in that second year for sure yeah and i think he's still an rfa at the end of it too honestly he is um yeah. so yeah I, I really liked that contract i thought that it was higher uh or lower in value than i thought was expecting i think you you said lower you were expecting lower but yeah i just, he's so dynamic i just don't think you see many players with that ability out there certainly more recently than but you know he's done it on the international stage as well and has really been a standout at all levels and, um, yeah. you know, took them a little bit to develop, but I think that these two years are going to be, uh, some, some big years for him and looking for him to break out. Could be two really, really dynamic years. Uh, even if he just plays how he played this past year, that two, eight still seems like a bargain, especially whenever you put it in And this is no offense to Barbashev. But if you put what Barbashev does at uh, 2.25 a year next to what Kairou can do for just $600,000 more, um, you, you look like you stole two years from, from Kairou, really. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It could be incredibly dynamic. And, um, you know, he could be playing uh, top-line minutes, uh, top power play time for, you know, one of the lowest salaries on your team. So, Let's look after it. Let's get it going. Now they still have uh, one player left to be signed with Robert Thomas. So I, you, yep. we were kind of thinking, hoping to keep him around the Cairo range, but they yep. they don't have that amount of money on the salary cap right now. So um, kind of like the Tarasenko thing, they'll have some more maneuvering to do, and it kind of cements that they're really looking to make this Tarasenko move sooner than later but uh that's not necessarily up to them yeah i completely agree i think that that that's the most obvious place to get that money from and if 
the further that that drags out, the more that you have to look at your other players and wonder, well, okay, where are we, where are we going to get that money? Um, are we going to be able to find it by, you know, maybe trading Clifford and getting his million dollars off the books? Like you're going to have to start taking away multiple pieces to find the money to, to pay Thomas because Thomas is at least in that two, eight range. I think, even though he's, uh, has that injury history, I think he's at least in that two, eight range, probably closer to that three, five range, if I can be honest. And, um, and I think that he's going to get that, uh, that two, eight, three, five range for a couple years and see where we're at. But I, and I also think that it, if Tarasenko goes here, uh, sooner rather than later, I think that the door still isn't closed possibly on, on bringing back, um, uh, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, UFA Bozak, my goodness. Bozak. Yeah. Uh, I think the, yeah, I think the door still isn't completely closed on bringing Bozak back, but I think that the longer that this drags out, I think Bozak's got to be real and um and say i need to i need to sign and i need to get uh get a, a commitment for at least a year and and see where things are going if if he can't get a multiple year deal so gotta gotta figure out what to do what's going on with tarasenko before we can do literally anything else yep so holding him out what what does the roster look like right now so uh if we're looking at our top six, I, I had a hard time deciding who that was. Yeah, I agree. You've got uh, on our notes here, you've got O'Reilly, Saad, Peron, Buchenovic, Shin, and then who else, right? Yep. Um, I think that your your list is is strong for those those five. And I think I think your question is valid. Uh, right now, I have no idea. People you've got listed here are uh, Thomas, Kairu, Sanford, Costin. Um, I don't know. Who's your early favorite? Um, I think it's Kairu. I think that uh, they're pretty weak on that side without Tarasenko, and they're going to need somebody to step up. And um, I think that you know, Riley Perron, you want to have a dynamic wing or Buchnevich, you know, I think that I don't, I don't know. I, like I said, I think he's a top, top line winger. Does he, is he able to play with O'Reilly? Probably like, is that a good combination? I think, I think there's going to be some sort of chemistry things here that, that there's no, you know, outstanding player and it's going to be just how they jive together a little bit. I completely agree. I think that the, uh, Buchnevich and, and Saad are going to get a chance on both of those lines. Uh, those top two lines, I think that they're going to get looks on, uh, the, the side with O'Reilly and Perron and whoever clicks there, I think is going to decide, the other the, whoever goes the other lines right i think that kairu is going to be the guy also i think that he's my early favorite just because the way that he started out of the gate last year and and the fact that he could continue to do that and maybe who knows maybe kairu 
uh, pushes himself up to that line with uh, with O'Reilly and Peron, and we're looking at Shen uh, Buchnevich and and Saad on that uh, on that second line. So there's there's a lot of movement to be had, but I agree with you that the the staple for the Blues since they've both been on the team has been O'Reilly and Peron, and then build out from that for with your forward lines. Yeah, and I think that. Sunquist is probably in a top six importance, but you know probably isn't necessarily going to be on those lines. But uh, I think he'll be a, a big part of the team as well, probably as the third line center. So, I think uh, the Blues' third line has been a historically very, very important line, and I think that he's the exact right guy to be in the middle on that. So he takes he takes that line from uh, a fill in you know uh curtis sanford kind of in the middle or or, um uh not curtis sanford zach sanford on the wing or whatever and then all of a sudden you put a guy like Sonny in there who's hustling to the net hard every single shift and it it becomes it becomes a scoring line Mm -hmm. Uh, whoever you've got out there with sunquist i completely agree i don't think top six but if he finds himself in that top six role anytime throughout the year i think that he's shown to be kind of that jose okendo secret weapon kind of guy and a fantastic uh, penalty killer so hell yeah uh you look at the blue line and you know i think that when you look at the blues failings over the past two years i probably look more at the blue line than anything and um you know we're pretty new faces for for all the lines back there so can it return to the strength that it once was? I mean, we have three decent to strong defensemen. Um, probably not a 1A, but a bunch of 1Bs, I would say. Agreed. Um, with Krug, Falk, and Pareko. But uh, I think there's a lot of questions when you, you go any deeper than that on the Blues depth. Yeah, I... I completely agree. I think that we went from a defense first style to a, uh, you know, a defense first control the puck in our zone, get it to the neutral zone and then attack whenever the attack is there to a don't get hemmed in, get it out as quick as you can. It's not going to be that, that incredibly quick release, but do let's try to get it out and not make any mistakes getting it out kind of thing. Right. It went from a sister, like a, a foregone, uh, foredrawn conclusion of whenever the puck goes here, here's where I go to, uh, are we going to, is the puck going to get to me along the wall or where can I expect the puck to be? So, um, I, I'd put the blues. If you asked me to give them a letter grade going into the year, I'd say, solid b maybe a b maybe a b minus and um and a lot and i could see that yo-yoing up or down just as easy one way as the other yeah i mean i think they're probably a top three defense core in the division i'd need to sit down a little bit more with it but uh I don't think that's an unreasonable it's, statement. It's probably not Arizona. It's no, probably nothing. not Nashville. Not Smashville, it's no. It's probably uh, not, not Minnesota. I don't think Chicago. Yeah. 
So, I mean, yeah. You're yeah. Probably somewhere around there. So, still yeah, com- I'd agree. competitive in the division. And I think, you know, it kind of be indicative of how the team performs. But um, any any guys going to make a big jump into the lineup this year? Um, maybe not just to make the lineup, but to really make an impact? I don't. I don't know, man. I I think that how successful we are as a team this year, we're going to have to see that. We're going to have to see somebody make somebody come out of nowhere and make a a large meaningful impact and and Kairu kind of has to be a guy who you already need to count on for that impact. So he can't be considered the out of nowhere guy. Um I think maybe Thomas could, but then there's a lot of other guys who we've heard about in the blue system for a long time now who it's about time to, to really see if they can play. Yep. Uh, you know, you may be directly talking about Clem Costin. I mean, we heard so much about him and, um, I guess going into last season, we were thinking that he was, his game was falling off and he had a tremendous season and one KHL MVP or what was that it? was the uh, playoff MVP play uh, he whatever championship he was playing for he was the playoff MVP yeah I don't think he was in the KHL uh, I could be wrong um I think that that what was the guy's name Yashkin won the, the KHL league MVP uh it's possible that Costin won the the whatever you know, KHL, uh, Stanley cup version, whatever. Uh, but it, he played some really, really good hockey and it's, I, I, it's time for Costin. It's time to see him play. It's time to see what he can do. Uh, it's time to see what we've really got in him and decide if he's really what he could be, or if it's, if it's a swing and a miss, you know, uh, Ryan Reeves is on his, third contract with his uh second team since we traded for Costin. so mm-hmm. let's uh let's let's see what's going on hey he still got paid though um he, he did so 1.75 yeah. again yeah but uh i you know i think if somebody was going to really make a jump it would be on the blue line and i think that uh jake wallman or Perunovic would really be a guy that could step up and be, take more of that uh, Vince Dunn style role, especially Perunovic, you know, Hobie Baker award winner, um, strong offensive game. And I think that, you know, the blues are going to start to want to expect things from him. I think he got some buzz at the end of last year and hopefully he continued his development and, I think that they could use um, a little more offense for the blue line. So hopefully he can step up and make a big impact and maybe even get some power play time. I'll take it. I I, I mean, I really will. I think that our defense has a lot of holes in it. Scandella hasn't played all that excellent. Uh, Last year was not a, uh, a resume building year. It was more the other way. Uh, no offense to Bortuzzo, but he's another year older and speed has never really been his thing. Uh, we are, we're one injury and, uh, and a slow start away 
from seeing both of those guys as, uh, as in our in our pairings here here really really soon. So yep. I think that they're going to have to be NHL ready from camp, and that they'll both see twenty to twenty five, you know, twenty uh, to thirty games in the in the NHL at a minimum. I think this year. Yep. And then uh, you know. We can look at the elephant in the room. The so Tarasenko still no real word on him, and uh, yeah. you know I think that we, we kind of mentioned it before, but the decision on him, what happens with him, really has a lot of implications on the team. Um, Bozak, Robert Thomas, yep. uh, Pareko in the future. So um you know it certainly is a significant thing that the blues are trying to do as soon as they can i think and but the number of people that would be interested him seems to be shrinking by the day each event and i don't know if i said this on the on an earlier podcast or in a conversation with you or or another friend but each event has his value just continued to go down you know uh the expansion draft value goes down um the nhl the prospect draft down ufa opening up and he's not traded down 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 so and as everybody spent their money and they're looking back um very few of if you want to use a, a a meal analogy you know everybody had their salad everybody had their main course and now the dessert cart's coming around and everybody's like oh my goodness i couldn't possibly right uh, and and i feel like that's where it's at with with tarasenko i think the teams have have made their moves and they're ready for the season as it stands and they're going to need some they're going to need to be incentivized to to really take on Tarasenko at this point and that's hard to say either he's going to need to be almost gifted away and like we had talked about earlier on I believe that the Blues have to view what they do with that cap space as the as the asset in return it's it's beyond repair I feel like I don't think he can go back into the Blues locker room and face those guys and and tap them on the shin pads and everybody be like, Oh, that's cool, man. Welcome back. Uh, glad to see you kind of situation. I think, I think the burn, the bridge has been burned and they got to make a move. I don't know why the players would care, but, uh, it seems like his beast with the team, but, um, I think that, you know, it, who, who's still in on him. So there's, yeah. Uh, was rumored to be the Devils, Hurricanes, Rangers, and the Islanders. Um, almost all of the talk that I hear is Islanders. Uh, Same. They're very thirsty for him. Uh, but, you know, the Devils were in that list. They just signed Thomas Tatar two years, $4.5 million per year, which I thought was a really high uh, contract and didn't like that deal. But... Um, you know, they still have a lot of cap space, but that would lead you to believe that they're probably not in on him still. Uh, the Hurricanes have a lot of cap space, but they still have to sign Svechnikov, and uh, they're notoriously frugal. Um, and then yep. this year he's worth, he costs them 9.5. So the. Even though his cap is 7.5, right. right? Yeah. So, 
you know, you got to pay him the higher number. And then, you know, so like I said, it's the Islanders probably are the last team out there. Um, is Seattle still a possibility? They got the money. They talked to him, you know, in that period, right? Like they did with Schwartz, but. I mean, what do you want from Seattle? I don't, <laughs> I don't look at their roster and say, I got to have it. I'm, I'm interested in, in what you've got going on here. I don't think Seattle has much right now that they, that they have in the way of assets. I give me a draft. I really think some, all the salary. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically what they're going to need to do. I, I, the idea of getting back an impact player for Tarasenko has got to go out the window. It's I really just don't see it happening. Uh, the idea of getting a high level prospect, uh, an A level prospect, or two B level prospects. Uh, a, a high to a mid-range pick and all the salary going the other way that's got to be viewed as a win at this point I think um, and and if the Blues can get that from literally anyone I, I feel like the Blues think that once um, Eichel is traded then people will be more ready to pay their price they're letting Eichel like determine the market um, there's no market left Buffalo, exactly there's no market left yeah. and Buffalo's gonna fuck up that market right. so don't you can't you can't wait on uh, on the person who's shoving crayons up their nose whenever they're supposed to be you know writing their dissertation to, to set your market for you you've gotta go out and you've gotta actually create that market and you've gotta drum up your own business and you've, I think that uh, Lambert from Nerd is the New Cool, he and I were talking about this for a quick minute, and he said um, that he thinks that it's just uh, right now it's a it's a pissing match um, either between Doug Armstrong and uh, Tarasenko's camp, uh, camp, which I could see. And he also said he thinks it's a, a pissing match between Doug Armstrong and Lou Limarello, which that could that could wait until they're they could both be dead. Mm-hmm. And they could both be waiting for the other person uh-huh. still to blink. So I don't know, man. Carl it, it seems like it's... talk to him. Yeah, <laughs> come on, guys. Uh, it it just seems like it's gonna. It needs to be resolved soon, um, or it's gonna just bleed into camp. I think. Yeah, I'd heard similar things about Eichel, but I also had heard that, you know, the Eichel trade will get some significant pieces. And they'll look to deal those pieces again for more assets just to have a total throwaway season, seasons, rebuild, mega. Um, So, you know, if you get a, uh, you know, the Rangers were talking about like Zabanajad in that trade that they would look to move Zabanajad, which, you know, would probably hurt Tarasenko's value more if somebody else went. So, yeah, and Buffalo hasn't historically drafted very well, and like we were talking about an episode or two ago, the the draft is uh, I get less and less excited about draft picks um, as we as we watch, and as we just got done talking about Clem Costin, you know the the guy who's been well, he's going to be there, he's going to do it for the last four or five years, yep. so. 
Yeah, so they are certainly not um, enjoying the smell of uh, what's going on with the Tarasenko deal because it, it is officially... Ew, what's that smell? It's this week's installment of Hot, 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 Hot Garbage. Hot Garbage. Yeah, man, I um, my my Star Wars nerd self has uh, has been paying very close attention to the announcement this week of the Starship uh, Cruiser, I think, hotel that uh, that's opening up and they're already taking reservations, which is super cool and very exciting. However, said reservations for two nights for two people are five large so um per night uh no for the two for the two nights for two people to stay in this in this hotel it's it's five grand so Ah. i five g's five g's yeah five five big ones to hang out in this in this hotel which by all accounts, you know, Disney has, has put a statement out and said that the technology in this hotel is unlike any other experience that they have in, in Disney, which is awesome, which is really, really cool. Um, they've also managed to do that in all the movies that they've put out, too. You know, the technology in, in the new Star Wars or in the new Avengers movie or in the new whatever also goes up. And, and the price for those tickets goes up just in a little bit if at all. And I think that trying to pass all of that on to the consumer uh, and front loading that is, that's hot garbage. Um, one of the things that I love about star Wars is it is universal is you can breathe like Darth Vader to somebody who speaks a language that you can't even pronounce. And they can and you immediately have that bond um and to try and exclude anybody who can't pay five grand for this really really cool experience seems elitist and bullshit to me and and it goes against even the vibe that that uh they were going for in the last jedi right whenever they had when they when they go through the town and they say this i just uh rose says i just want to punch my punch a hole through this entire ugly town or whatever um with everybody gambling and in these casinos and this elitist type place like that's literally what they've created (laughs) um for their guests and I originally wasn't all that salty about it. I looked at the price. I showed it to Bridget and I said, well, we're just never going to go there. <laughs> but then other people were, were starting to kind of say, this is bullshit. This is elitist. And I, I, I let that get in my ear a little bit, but um, I don't know. I, I just wish that it could be one of those long games. It feels like they're just trying to keep the pores out. <laughs> I don't know if that's really, really the the goal but it's it's gonna happen that way i saw a meme from jurassic park whenever they were sitting around the the lawyer and uh 
and the scientists are all sitting around the table and they're like, uh, you know, whatever. It shouldn't only be for the super rich. And the lawyer says, we'll have a coupon day. <laughs> and I saw a meme that said that for for this uh, Starship cruiser. And, and I, I laughed my ass off, but it's unfortunate. I, I, I would love to experience it myself. Uh, and I'd love for my girls to experience it, but not at uh, not at ten grand for two friggin' days, man. It's just uh, that's that's not in the cards. Mm-hmm. Passing my national counselor exam or not, uh, ten grand for for two days for four people is uh, for for their dad because the girls wouldn't even give a shit. Man. It would be it would be dad nerding out. Oh, we are playing sabak now. Would you girls like to know how to play sabak? Dad, I want some fucking jello. Like that's all I want. So you're not mad Just, at uh, Bezos going to Mars or Branson going to space? It's that you can't go to the the Star Wars I have spaceship. Some, <laughs> I have some very real opinions on Bezos going to space. And if you want to know my favorite part of that entire thing was the the person who ran up with the two-step stepladder and ran up immediately to that ship and throws that two-step ladder uh, right in front of the, the returning whatever thing, uh, uh, space part, and, uh, and just ran it up there like it was a fucking national yeah. emergency. Um, I am a little bit salty about them pissing that money away for sure. But I think that's indicative of, of all the rest of that stuff too, right? Uh, all the other problems that are going on. But uh, yes, I also want to go to my my Starship cruiser. If Jeff Bezos <laughs> can go to the uh, go to the the outer outer space, I should be able to act like I go to outer space. I think I read it on Reddit, but it was like, Please know that this review was typed exclusively only using my middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> for the for for the Starship cruiser yeah. or for uh, yeah. yeah yeah. I mean, that's that's good. That's, it. I don't know. I I hope that that it regresses towards uh a mean that's more doable for your average family. So it's accessible to anybody and everybody. So it's accessible for people who, who bust their ass at, at hourly jobs and they love star Wars and their kids want to go there and check it out. And, and they want to have that experience. I think that it's, it's bullshit that it's, it almost feels like the Titanic kind of thing, right? Like there's this, Oh, if you're if you're a poor you get uh you can go to our our galaxy's edge and check that out but if you're supremely rich and and have means beyond your need check out our starship cruiser and for something that i love so much uh to to embody that it it legitimately and and that may sound weird to some of our our listeners but it legitimately hurts and and i wish it weren't the case Mm -hmm. so well, my hot garbage for this week is uh, the hockey-related one, but it's just been the continued mishandling uh, by the NHL of the Chicago sexual harassment scandal. Um, you, They still just have no information on this. Um, just so many people have come out to say that um, I'm speaking out 
all these things happened. Everybody knew about this. They did nothing. Um, to understand how Stan Bowman can still be like an active part of the Chicago organization at the moment um, is yeah. mystifying. Um, and then, the, you know, one of the potentially most frustrating parts about this was with the Evander Kane scandal. Not that they're necessarily related, but just with the speed that they launched into um, an investigation on this because, uh, you know, the NHL is partners with DraftKings and FanDuel and all these uh, gambling sites and has a team in Las Vegas. And um, that this gambling scandal you know is bad for their brand but this sexual harassment scandal is just something that they can accept blow off and great point it's just great you know, boys being boys or whatever you want to call it so um it's just disappointing that they continue to drop the ball on this and um just really need to figure out what happened there because it it had such a wide-ranging impact and it seems like um, so many new, um, and just nothing happened and, you know, just kind of changing the stigma on this because, you know, it's all about getting people to have the courage to say something when these terrible things occur. And, and instead of burying it, right. Right. Instead of doing exactly what they're doing, instead of victim blaming and allowing them to of... go on and do this to others continue to this behavior and not calling it out and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get the hell out of here right now. And know that whenever you get home, you are going to, we are going to have called the police and they're going to be on their way. Um, you know, it's, you, you shouldn't have to be a court mandated reporter to have somebody come to you and say, I've been the victim of sexual abuse and for you to stop everything that you're doing and give that person your undivided attention and say, how can I help? And, and you know, what can we do? This is not your fault. I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. What can I do for you? How can I help? Let's move forward. So it's, it's, um, let's move forward with that plan. Not let's move forward, sweeping shit under the rug. I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not being, misconstrued there right yeah. but <clears throat> yeah man these it's 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 disgusting and and i i saw somewhere that there's government agencies that are asking to be a part of of this review right well i guess that um he was a part of the usa hockey um as recommended by the blackhawks so you know, he ended up on a, you know, U.S. organization, so they're getting involved also, from what I understand. So, but just you know, the the scope of this is amazing, and to have not done anything, said anything, communicated in any way, to have not have been aware allegedly until whenever you're saying is um, pretty crazy. So, just just uh terrible mishandling of this 
by the NHL and something that they really need to take seriously and um, really crack down on because it's, you know, just the, the more they try to bury this, the, the, the harder it'll be to get the truth out, I think. Yeah, I think it, the way it stands right now is just give Nick Boyton a megaphone and let him just speak because he seems to be somebody who is of the I don't give a shit, right is right, and I'm going to tell anyone and everybody what happened and I'm going to name call people who knew or I'm going to name names of people who I know know and do everything that you can to get to the bottom of this. So yeah, he said Kane, Taves, Sharp. Yeah, he threw all that, right? For whatever it's worth, Nick Boyton, you are always welcome at the Barnhart household. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's just, it's messed up that everybody else is just in this boys club. Um, it's uh, It's hard to watch. Again, to that earlier point about it's hard to see something that I care about so much. Uh, become something that I really don't agree with. This is uh, definitely what's going on right now with this situation in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to all of our listeners for joining us this week. It's fun hearing from people that listen to the podcast. So please reach out to us through our social medias. Um, also, as always, thanks to Jeremy Boyer for the music and Greg and Nicole for our hot garbage drop. And I'd like to take a quick minute just to uh, thank my awesome, beautiful, wonderful wife for picking up the slack with uh, parenting and uh, a little bit parenting and then also not saying anything when when my uh, 50-50 portion of the weekly household chores became more of a, a bi-weekly than tri-weekly than monthly kind of thing while... Uh, while I was preparing for my test, um, I don't know what the hell I did to, to deserve her, but uh, but it's 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 a damn good day whenever I can wake up next to her and we can raise our kids together. So uh, love you, Bridge, and good on you. Appreciate you. Thanks, Bridget. If you like the podcast, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, please tell a friend. We're always looking to grow and meet new people to talk blues hockey with. So uh, check us out on our socials at Blues Skate on Twitter, Optional Skate Blues on Facebook. And as always, let's, let's go, go Blues! blues.